right, welcome everybody to a special edition of the Announcer Schedules Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Phil DeMont Mollen is the face, the voice behind the Twitter handle at Announcer Sheds. Make sure you follow him there. Over 20,000 of you are following Phil now, and that's because we have great guests like today's guest right now. Before we get to today's guest, don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast feed. We continue to grow. Check out our episode 43 with Mike Monaco of ESPN. That just dropped on the Last Word on Sports feed. But today, we've got a very special broadcaster in my neck of the woods. He is a 18-time Mid-Atlantic Emmy Award winner for his work with the Philadelphia 76ers. But he's done so much more than that. Mark Zumoff is in the house on the Announcer Schedules podcast. Zoo, how you been, buddy? I'm really good. I'm enjoying retirement. Life is good. I consider myself very fortunate to do what I did for 27 years as the TV voice of the Sixers. And I'm all yours, guys. I'm looking forward to speaking with you, so fire away. Yeah, we're going to uh, get into Mark's career. We might work backwards a little with Mark here because you said you're enjoying retirement, Mark. You have a new venture coming up. We'll talk about Fresh 24 with Mark Zumoff in just a minute, but take us back to June 29th at precisely 10 o'clock in the morning when I think the Delaware Valley was like, wait, what? It's not April 1st. This isn't April Fool's. Mark Zumoff retired to the surprise of many Sixer fans. Surprise, I think you're right, only because I was 65 at the time, and I think there was a lot of tread remaining on the tires. And so uh, I retired, if you will. Uh, It was something, quite frankly, that uh, I had been planning for a while. Uh, My last contract was for three years, and my wife Debbie and I looked at each other and said, okay, uh, we'll see about retirement at the end of this contract. And after the first of the three years, We kind of knew that it was it, so we began to lay the groundwork about a year or so in advance. I began to tell my uh, immediate superiors, and uh, I told just a few people who needed to know for whatever reason. And on that specific date, I finally decided, okay, I'm going to announce it. Uh, There was no victory tour or anything like that. And quite frankly, I, I miss my colleagues greatly. I, uh, I I miss being with the players, the excitement of performing, but ultimately I think it was the right thing to do. You know it's going to come to an end at some point, and quite frankly, I wanted to leave before my skills diminished, and um, although I do miss a lot of elements of it, I'm, I'm happy in retirement uh, going on two years now. Uh, he worked 27 seasons as the Sixers' television voice. He did pre, halftime, post-game before that. Heck, uh, he was a part of the old Prism. I remember being a part of Prism uh, when I was a kid growing up. But those were the days where you had to have cable television and all that stuff. Now, you just plug into YouTube and you can see Mark Zumoff, Fresh 24 with Mark Zumoff. Uh, the first episode is out with the successor to Mark, Kate Scott, the new voice of the Philadelphia 76ers. Mark, talk about your venture now where a lot of uh, people who are familiar with your work can now see you talking to a lot of basketball uh, people in that community. Thanks, Mike, for the opportunity to talk about that. Uh, I I guess I'm finally joining the rest of the human race. It's like, who doesn't have a podcast, right? So this one is, as you might imagine, Sixers-centric. And basically, if you played for the Sixers, if you coach for the Sixers, if you are a member of the staff or the front office of the Sixers, 
And here's the special angle if you root for the Sixers. So you could be a Sixers season ticket holder. You could be a famous producer. You could be somebody like Kevin Hart who grew up in Philly and and has a, a huge interest in the Sixers and what goes on with them. Anybody who has that kind of connection, you could be on the podcast. And so we thought it only natural to go with Kate. And that episode dropped earlier in the week. And it got a very favorable reception. And I think for those who even don't know me or don't know Kate, you'd be interested in listening only because she talks a lot about uh, some of the rude greetings, if you will, that she got from uh, some unseemly Philadelphia sports fans, uh, people who uh, unfortunately are racist, they're misogynistic, they are anti-Semitic, and they had some uh, very nasty things to say about her to her through the wonders of social media. And she's pretty graphic in talking about that stuff. It is, it is not a Philly thing. It is just as, as we were talking about just moments ago, it's a society thing. We feel so emboldened these days to be really mean about our dislike of somebody we don't know whatsoever. So pardon my language, but you know, hey, you go back to California and be gay on the coast, things like that. Um, you know, we don't want a woman calling sports. What the f do you know about men's basketball with your vagina? Things like that. Um, and again, they hurt because I, I love to interact with people on social media. So in order to be able to interact with the people who are kind and want to know about me or want to interact, at least in a um, civil way, I have to read the bad messages and tweets to be able to interact with the good or interested ones as well. Um, so it was it was really tough for a while just because of what I told you earlier. Um, I, I knew that I didn't look or sound like anybody other than Lisa in Milwaukee who was doing this. Uh, I knew that there was going to be a huge void left by you retiring because of what a phenomenal broadcaster and human you were. Um, so it was it was a lot. But to Philly and everybody else's credit, they seem for the most part now to just be critiquing me as a broadcaster. And, and that's what you love. If they tell me they don't like my face or my voice, that's that's the same thing you're getting, same thing that Ian Eagle and Kevin Harlan are getting. Uh, I completely understand that broadcasting is a subjective business. Some people are going to like me, some people are not. But as long as it's not hatred because of who I am, um, then bring it on because that's just a part of being a public face and working in this industry. She is soldiering on. She's doing a great job, and I'm really proud of her. Thanks so much, Mark, for being here on the program with us. One more about your life in retirement now. You know, how do you balance? Obviously, you know, you're 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 so invested after all these years with the Sixers, and you've you've got these emotional ties and all these things. But at the same time, you've got to keep some distance, I would imagine, and 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 let the 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 new crop do their things, and and Kate and and so forth with the 76ers. How do you kind of balance that? Still being a, a part of things still having friendships and that sort of thing, but removing yourself on the professional side where you need to. Phil, it's actually a pretty good point. I have made it a point not to show up to many games. I was invited back to ring the bell, which is, which is a Sixers tradition. Uh, the, the first game, the opening night, uh, and the first game that I would miss as a retiree. But all in all, I have kept my distance. I want to give Kate the opportunity just to spread her wings, to do her thing and to ultimately succeed. And I think she's going to be wildly successful down the road for many years to come. 
Uh, for me, it was just a question of what else is out there in the universe. Um, as I said in my retirement letter to the fans, um, um, I'm in the fourth quarter of my life. And so I want to be able to experience while I have the vitality and the energy to do so other things, the podcast being one of them. Uh, I teach at Temple. I'm the associate director of an organization at Temple called the Claire Smith Center for Sports Media. And I have a lot of philanthropic uh, endeavors, which take up a lot of my time. And so I have counterbalanced, you know, the uh, the emptiness of retirement, I guess, for some. And I have filled it with a lot of things that keep me quite busy. Well, you mentioned Temple University, an outstanding program they have for those who, who want to get into to sports and, and sports media. You also are a Temple graduate and, you know, a, a native of Philadelphia as well. Can you take us back to those days, you know, when you're first getting started and first discovering that this could actually be a career for you? So I spent a lot of my time on Temple's Ambler campus, which was a small suburban campus, and they had something called a carrier current radio station. And basically the way that would work is uh, there was no license for it to have uh, a broadcast signal. So the way it worked is there was a transmitter. It would radiate off of the wires in the woman's dorm, and you could barely get it off campus. So uh, my parents, who were thrilled that I was going to be on the air, would have to drive up uh, about 15 miles from our home in northeast Philly, park the car in the parking lot uh, of the campus and listen to me do a, a five minute newscast. But just uh, the, the aspect of being on the air, whether you have 100,000 listeners or zero listeners, you're getting reps. And that was a great opportunity for me to get reps, whether doing news or disc jockey work or a play by play. It was a great opportunity for me as a broadcaster to do what I call finding your voice. And then uh, later on in my uh, four year stint at Temple, I had the opportunity to be on WRTI. It was an FM station, it had a, a wide broadcast signal. They had a, uh, it was a step up for me. They had uh, a great news program called Evening Report and I would do sports for them. And I would call the hotel of the visiting team and I got uh, people like Larry Brown who was then uh, coaching the Denver Nuggets to come on and do an interview. And it was uh, a really uh, a terrific learning experience for me and a great way, as I said, to find my voice. Mark Zumoff's our guest here. And Mark, you know, he, uh, Phil took you back to Temple. How do you make that jump from Temple to your first kind of professional opportunity? Because so many people tell us their stories, how these opportunities just kind of came out of nowhere. And then that opportunity takes you to that next step. You know, so do you remember getting that first professional call and, and having that opportunity? Like, wow, I'm getting to call a game. Here we go. So. I, I will recount that only like everybody, my journey was different from anybody else in the business. For me, I grew up in a household where uh, job stability, uh, quite frankly, was an issue. And so my mother in particular wanted me to go into a profession that was a lot more stable than broadcasting. And so believe it or not, I worked at a scrap iron and steel yard in my years going through college. And uh, I thought I was gonna get into the business end and that was my in, in, intent. I took business courses, finance, whatever. 
And upon graduation, I started working there. And about two months in, I said, you know what, this is just not what I'm meant to do. And so I had some tapes left over from my temple days and I sent them out to radio stations and I got a call and I got a job offer from a radio station in Trenton, New Jersey. It was this broken down 1000 watt uh, off the air at least two or three times a day. They were six weeks behind in my pay, but it was employment and I got paid to rip and read the news uh, five days a week. I got paid 110 bucks. And as I mentioned, they were six weeks behind in my pay. But when I got that first check for 90 some dollars for just talking on the radio, I said to myself, you know what? This is uh, this is the coolest thing ever to actually get paid to talk on the radio. And in fact, I spent the first five years of my career doing radio news and I was content to go in that direction until one day I was working at a radio station in Princeton, New Jersey. And the voice of the Princeton Tigers for football and basketball was let go in the middle of football season. And so it was an opportunity for me to walk into the station manager's office and say, hey, I can do this. I can do play by play of football. I could do play by play of basketball. And they were in a lurch. And so they said to me, yeah, the job is yours. Go ahead. And that's when I began to make the transition to sports. And the point of my story that I tell a lot of young people is. Uh, it's the proverbial foot in the door that even if you start out as a receptionist or a salesperson or something that has nothing to do with being on the air, it's your opportunity to be in the door because you never know what might happen. And in my case, they fired the guy who was doing the games. I got hired and that began my transition into sports. Well, from that transition into sports on August 17th, 1994, you're very precise with your times. I love it, Mark. One <laughs> thirty-four p.m., you got the call that you're no longer doing your foot in the door. You are now putting your foot into the NBA. Tell us about that day. Or in some cases, my foot in my mouth, but that's another story for another time. And believe me, I did plenty of that uh, in during my career. But basically, I was the halftime host. And uh, I spent 12 years doing that, always pining to be the TV voice of the Sixers. And what happened was uh, I was one of the candidates and I was sitting in a room at the Spectrum where I did a lot of my work preparing for halftimes. And I was sitting there with uh, one of my best friends uh, to this day, John Slobotkin, who's an executive with NBC Sports. And when I took the call, when they offered me the job, he was sitting there with me and he wrote on a little piece of paper, August 17th, 1.34 p.m. And he handed it to me and I actually ripped it out and put it in a frame and I still have it to this day. So that's the reason why I was so precise with that. And of course, uh, my retirement came on the day that you mentioned it at uh, 10 a.m. that morning. So uh, those are those are two very important uh, days and times in my life. If we could recall a couple more, Mark, um, can you remember, and I'm sure you do, but precisely that first game where you were the play-by-play voice now as the television voice of the Sixers? So as luck would have it, uh, I and, and this was an issue for me frequently in my career, I had laryngitis. Yeah. So... I, I, I will tell you, and there, this is, I don't, I don't mean the muddy to waters here, but for two years before I got the job full time, I'd actually done a 13 game package of Sixers basketball on the old sports channel, Sports Channel Philadelphia. And unlike Prism that Mike had mentioned, which was a pay service, uh, this was part of the package and it was uh, something that came with your basic cable. So I'd actually done some games. 
And now I'm debuting as the full-time voice of the Sixers. And I remember uh, having laryngitis and barely getting out the words in my debut. But fortunately, two or three games later, that, that cleared up and, and I was okay. Outstanding. And Mark, you're so synonymous, of course, with the 76ers, but I know you've worked other sports and, you know, you've done even work it with Olympics and, and things like that. Tell us sort of that breadth of experience beyond the 76ers and some of those learnings along the way. Phil, uh, I, I know Mike can identify with this. If you're a, a broadcaster and I'm not just even talking about sports, you could pretty much do anything. If you're conversational, if you're glib, if you can write, if you understand the essence of communication, you can pretty much take any job in the business and eventually excel at it. And so uh, for me, uh, I just know as a kid, I would turn the sound down of the TV and do a hockey game or a baseball game or something like that. And when given the opportunity, uh, not only leading up to my time at the Sixers, but even during my time at the Sixers, you're you're able to do other sports and other things. And so um, I was uh, afforded that opportunity and uh, I enjoyed every moment of doing other sports. Uh, I actually did horse jumping. I was called in as an emergency announcer for the Devon Horse Show and did that. I was uh, able to do a, a bicycle race at one point. And so, again, if you have the opportunity uh, and you are uh, uh, you're able to do pretty much anything in broadcasting. All I always said, all I needed was 24 hours to prepare, and I could, I could do almost anything. Yeah, and uh, obviously, as you mentioned, um, we're talking with Mark Zumoff, and his uh, podcast is Fresh 24 with Mark Zumoff. You can get that on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, wherever you get your podcast. His first conversation, Kate Scott. And uh, it drops on Wednesdays at 6 a.m., Zoo. Before we uh, get on to some other conversations, you do have your second one coming up. You want to tell the people uh, you're number two uh, in, the, in the queue. Who's up in the queue on Fresh 24 with Mark Zumoff? Thanks for asking, Mike. It's uh, J.J. Reddick. It's actually an interview we did, I want to say, two or three weeks ago. And we're able to do these interviews uh, in advance of their air date because they are, as we say in the business, evergreen. And so we talk about a lot of different things, whether it's politics, basketball, of course, is transition to broadcasting. And JJ is obviously a very erudite guy, and he's got a lot to say about a lot of different things. So I think people will find it very interesting to hear the thoughts of JJ Reddick. He is—he's uh, become an excellent broadcaster, and he's a very interesting guy. Check that out Wednesday, six o'clock for our listeners. Uh, it is called Fresh Twenty Four with Mark Zumoff. You work with six different partners. Um, Allah Abdelnabi, who is still the analyst for the 76ers, Malik Rose, Eric Snow, Eddie Pinkney, Bob Salmi, and Steve Mix. How difficult was it to constantly uh, kind of find your groove with a different partner uh, over all those years? And I think most people you know, find you synonymous with Steve Mix, the mayor. So uh, if you have a story about any one of these uh, commentators that you worked with, we'd love to hear that. And plus, how it was constantly kind of changing there. So let me answer your last question first and say that if you try to subjugate your ego, we all have egos. That's pretty much what drives us. But if you could subjugate your ego and try to make your partner sound as good as he can be, you can develop chemistry, I think, before too long. And I'd like to think that I was pretty much able to do that. 
um, because we employed primarily people who were either former players or coaches or whatnot, uh, they would move in and out of the booth. So in the case of Ed Pinckney, for example, he got a call from Tom Thibodeau, his, uh, his really good uh, friend, and said, hey, I want you to help me with the Chicago Bulls. And he went on to his staff. Malik Rose always had uh, an, uh, a desire to go into front office work. Uh, Steve Mix was pretty much retired, and so we spent uh, the better part of 13 years together. And uh, I, we are synonymous because we were the soundtrack for the Iverson years, which I think uh, in, in many ways people associate me with that era. And Steve was the kind of guy who uh, came out of Toledo, the Midwest. He made his way into the NBA because of his toughness, and he never took any, any uh, nonsense from anybody. And my, one of my favorite Steve Mix stories is we were in Portland one night and we're doing the Sixers Blazers game and Greg Anthony is playing for the Blazers. And at one point the action stopped and Anthony, I think, is jawing with someone on the Sixers bench, one of the players. And our broadcast location was right next to the Sixers bench. And so while he's yelling at somebody on the bench, human beings being what they are, a little bit of spit comes out of his mouth and hits Steve. And Steve in mid-sentence suddenly transitions and says, you know, we'll be okay here tonight uh, if Greg Anthony stops spitting at us. So Greg Anthony, who's got big ears at this point, actually hears this and he starts yelling at Steve and Steve starts yelling at him. And Mix <laughs> in the middle of the broadcast takes his headset off and the two of them start yelling at each other. Meantime, my producers in my ear saying, What's Steve doing? Get your partner to shut up. This is crazy. So this all happened before the Internet. You can only imagine if this happened today, it would be viral, easily <laughs> yes, viral, yes. and would make a huge nationwide, if not uh, you know, worldwide impression. The fact that here's a broadcaster who's taking his headset off and he is joying with another player. As it turns out, he went into the locker room meeting Steve afterwards and he patched it up with Greg Anthony. But um, <laughs> that's the kind of guy that Steve was. He didn't take any junk from anybody under any circumstance. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Very and cool. Mark, you know, Greg Anthony, now a announcer in his own right. You know, he's had a he's of launched course. a broadcasting career himself. Have you ever had the chance to kind of revisit the story with him and maybe you know, have a laugh about a, it? It's a great question, Phil. And unfortunately, I have not. But you can bet if I see Greg Anthony somewhere, somehow, I'm going to relay that story. And I guarantee that he'll remember it. Uh, we're running tonight with Mark Zumoff, turning garbage into gold. We're coming in for a landing. We're on the seesaw. 
very synonymous phrases for Mark. In fact, you can go to his website and buy a T-shirt with one of those phrases right on there. Did these just come? How did you come up with these very famous sayings to Sixer fans? And let me just add that uh, garbage into gold I uh, have trademarked. So if anybody wants to use it, um, and people use it and it's fine, it's no big deal, but we did trademark it because we sold T-shirts uh, for charity. And you're right, uh, um, among the uh, phrases on the T-shirts was garbage into gold. But, you know, it's funny the way your journey works. I spent 13 years as the halftime host. And what happened was uh, uh, I, I edited and scripted a lot of halftime features. And in doing so, I became very comfortable with writing and coming up with phrases and just a general comfort with words in the English language. And so when you're a TV broadcaster, people can already see the action. So I think the challenge for a lot of TV voices is what can you add? Is it a story, a timely stat, uh, a good comment, uh, an observation that is different from what people can already see? And so one day, uh, George Lynch, this was probably late 90s, early 2000s, gets an offensive rebound and puts it back. And I had taken uh, a liking to alliterations when I was the halftime host scripting features. And I said, oh, and there's George Lynch getting an offensive rebound and putting it back. He's turning garbage into gold. And I kind of said, hey, you know what? That might have a ring. And it seemed to be something that the fans embraced. And so that sort of became a general uh, way that I did games where I would try to come up with phrases. And I say try, I didn't script them or anything like that. 99% uh, of the time, it was just an organic thing that would happen. And there were, there were times where I would come up with things that I said that, quite frankly, didn't fly. I remember one night, and I just told this story to another podcaster, uh, we were in Madison Square Garden, and I had begun to say, here's Iverson for three, yes. So I'm in Madison Square Garden one night, and Jerry Stackhouse and Allen Iverson on a very bad team were en route to upsetting the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. And I'm looking down the row, and about 30 feet from me is Marv Albert. And I'm saying, Iverson for three, yes. And I'm saying, wait, here's Marv Albert. I can't say yes. He's the guy who says yes. So for the balance of that game, I would say, and here's Stackhouse, yeah, instead of yes. And I'm saying, yeah, that doesn't work. That's not going to work. And so uh, yes became one of my one of my trademarks as well. But uh, mostly organic, not written down at all. I, th I think broadcasters will agree that when you try to script stuff uh, for, for a moment that demands uh, you to be organic and to be spontaneous, it just doesn't work. Now, Mark, you know, Phil asked you about, you know, some of the other sports you've done, but you've had to fill in doing Flyers games. You've done some soccer union games. Uh, what about the transition of doing hockey? Uh, we talked yesterday uh, with Mike Monaco, who's doing uh, ESPN hockey, and he talked about how he got into doing hockey. And, and to go to the NHL game without having any hockey experience, that game is just so fast. That is one where, hey, Mark, are you available to fill in uh, on the Flyers tonight? Tell us a little bit about uh, that opportunity. So even before I got the Sixers gig, I want to say 1985, one of the people on my Mount Rushmore is the late Gene Hart, who was the venerable voice of the Flyers since the beginning of the franchise in 67. And I would listen to him every night and took a lot of, uh, I won't say, well, 
advice later on, certainly, but I, he made a great impression upon me doing his homework and his excitement and some of his phrases and, and all of that. And so having idolized him in 1985, the Flyers are about a week or so from starting their season and Gene has a heart attack and has to go and have surgery and can't do the games. So I remember going into the office of Jay Snyder, who was the president of the team then, and uh, giving him a tape. I just had a tape sitting around and I said, you know what, I can fill in for you. And he said, okay, go ahead and do it. And so I did it. And it was like the greatest three weeks of my life until Gene came back. Um, and I could have seen myself being his heir apparent. Uh, you're right. Every sport has a different cadence. It has a different uh, mode of preparation. In the case of hockey, you got to memorize numbers because guys are flying on and off the ice. And, uh, you know, in baseball, it's, it's a lot slower. You have a chance to tell stories. So uh, I hope I'm answering your question as I wander around here by just saying that each sport has its own uh, individual way of doing it. And in the case of hockey, you're just strapping it on and identifying players. And, you know, when they blow the whistle because the puck goes over the glass, it's time for the analyst to come in. Yeah, it's funny uh, you mentioned the different cadences. We had Larry Colmus on the podcast who did the Triple Crown. I say those horse racing guys mm. have the most interesting cadence. You know, they all have like this auctioneer style of sound. Rick Allen, we had on the podcast who does NASCAR, you know, the ability to call sports like that and then they jump into other stuff uh, is truly amazing. And then, you know, I, I say hockey is the most. I tried to do hockey a few times and I leave it to the to the real guys to do hockey. Hockey is, is When did you do hockey, Mike? So I did hockey in college for the club team at West Virginia. I said it's Friday nights at 11:30, you know, at the Morgantown Ice Rink. But then if you remember when there was the lockout in the NHL, there was a game that was played at Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. It was Operation Hat Trick for Sandy. And there was no other hockey game in the country, so we mm. aired the hockey game on our radio station. And it was like players who were locked out and like recently retired player. Like Martin Brodeur was the goalie for one team and like Mike Richter was the goalie for the other team. So we put the game on the radio. Well, we don't have a staff to do it. So I said, I guess I'll try to do the play-by-play. Didn't I, Halfway through, I said to a guy we had on staff who had called college hockey, he stepped in and kind of took over for me, and I moved over. I just said the game is too fast for me. I, I can't do it. But uh, yeah. really great stuff. Uh, Fresh 24 with Mark Zumoff is out on podcast. Kate Scott is the first conversation. I really uh, anticipate – listening to the full conversation. I have seen the clips, but I think the people listening to this, uh, if you're familiar with Kate, should really listen to that conversation with Mark. He's got J.J. Redick coming up. Do you have anybody else you want to tease, or should uh, should we hold that off? No, I don't mind at all. We just interviewed Billy Cunningham, and for wow. you young kids out there, yeah, Billy Cunningham, he's going to be 80 soon and has some great stories about uh, players that either you never saw play or you never heard of, including Will Chamberlain. I think people will enjoy that. And just to show you how far afield we go, uh, I became friendly with a fellow by the name of Mike Jackson. And Mike is a Philly guy who's a big Sixers fan, and he is a gigantic film and TV producer on the West Coast and, in fact, partners with none other than John Legend in a production company. 
So uh, we go from Billy Cunningham to Mike Jackson and everybody else in between. I think it's uh, I'd like to think it's a good listen. And uh, for me, it's just an opportunity to do something which I really like to do. And that's ask a lot of questions. Well, Mark, uh, we appreciate getting the chance to ask you some questions, and uh, obviously uh, your time, we appreciate that as well. And we wish you luck with Fresh 24 with Mark Zumoff, everybody. Our guest has been former play-by-play voice of the Philadelphia 76ers, Mark Zumoff, here on the Announcer Schedules podcast. Mark, Thanks, thank Mark. you so much. Yeah, and by the way, as I exit here, Mike, uh, you know, I live at the beach now. You're a great listen. I try to catch any time I can. And Phil, of course, uh, I am a devotee as it relates to following you on Twitter. So, uh, you know, all the announcers, we're always interested in what's going on in the business. You do a great job of it. Thank you, Mark. And uh, we'll touch base soon. We uh, hope to see you again. You bet. Take care, guys. Mark Zuboff, everybody, here on the Announcer Schedules podcast, and uh, we appreciate his time, and we thank him for stopping on board. Great stories, uh, Phil, and, uh, you know, Mark is someone that I watched my entire childhood growing up. He talked about uh, he started in 1994, and basically, since I was a kid, was the only voice of the 76ers on television. Kate Scott has now has that role, and if you haven't yet, uh, listen to his conversation with Kate. It is a very, very revealing conversation. He kind of hinted on it about some of the um, misogynistic and just um, you know hateful stuff that she had to deal with as the new voice. Some of that, I believe, you know, has to do with taking over for a voice of a guy who was there for so long. But some of it is just hateful stuff that is unfortunate that she had to deal with. But she tells great stories. I I, I encourage and urge everyone to listen to that first conversation. But, Mark, a a true legend here in the Delaware Valley. Yeah, it was great to get to know Mark better. And, um, yeah, you know, for those of you up in in your part of the country, Mike, he's synonymous with the Sixers and a household name and so forth. It was the the most I got to learn about Mark on the, on the personal level. And I am looking forward to that conversation with Kate Scott. That's a really important subject that, you know, I don't know if it's approached quite enough, just some of the, you know, sexist misogynistic type stuff that happens when play by play announcers and, and media members who are female, you know, get into these front facing roles and so forth. And, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of just absurd how we're still stuck in that after all these years and after all the, the glass ceilings have been broken, but there's still a lot more work to be done. Here we go. Uh, we've got uh, so much more on the Announcer Schedules podcast feed. We uh, anticipate some more great interviews like Mark. We had Mike Monaco this week. And on this feed, check it back out, we're going to be talking to Sean McDonough, one of the all-time great voices in the play-by-play world, World Series, Monday Night Football. Um, Right now, of course, uh, he is doing NHL for ESPN, college football, uh, Major League Baseball. I mean, he has run the gamut of big-time sports, so we're looking forward as well to check out our conversation with Sean McDonough. Yeah, look, looking forward to that. Can't wait to talk to Sean. And, you know, once again, big thank you to to Mark coming on the show. I, I, I just love the fact that he's doing so much that's fulfilling for him as well in retirement. You know, still, you know, part of the sports world and part of the broadcasting world, giving back to, to all the, you know, the students who are coming up at Temple and that kind of thing. And uh, it seems like he's he's exactly where he, he wants to well, be. Well, and, and the big thing with that, Phil, I think we, we talked about Jim Nance this week on the podcast, episode 43, which is also on this feed. 
Jim went out on his own terms. Mark went out on his own terms. It wasn't one of those things where Mark you know, kept on going and then it got uncomfortable at the end. People were stunned, stunned when Mark announced he was retiring. I mean, it was a stunning announcement. People were like, wait, what? And then he said he had more tread left on the tires. He had a lot of tread left on the tires. And he went through some really bad years in the process for the Sixers where they were winning 10 games. And now the team is getting good and they're going to the playoffs. And then he abruptly just says, you know what? That's it for me. So uh, I was happy to see, sad because I really enjoyed Mark as a broadcaster, but happy to see that he made the decision on his own. Yeah, great point. And... You know what? What a legacy in memories he has to to look back on as well, and the, and all the fans do as well. I mean, what what a run he had! Twenty seven years, and dating back even earlier than that, when it comes to that studio work he would do. Yeah, you know, dating back all the way to the eighties. So those are some big years for the Sixers as well, with Dr. J and everybody, and then on through the Iverson years, as he mentioned. So really, really cool stuff, and and great to see. Yeah, you know, this life after the Sixers as well. Yeah, his uh, podcast, one last time for you guys out there, Fresh 24 with Mark Zumoff. Make sure you give that a, a listen and check out what Mark's up to. So uh, we appreciate Mark Zumoff, the former voice of the Sixers. And uh, don't forget, check out Tell Me a Story I Don't Know with George Hoffman. Last Word on Sports with TJ Reeves and the announcer schedules podcast right here on Last Word on Sports. Like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, and always check back. We drop on Thursdays. Our last conversation, Mike Monaco, is out from ESPN. And uh, we'll be back next week with episode number 44. Stick around. Check out the feed. For Phil, I'm Mike. This has been a special conversation with Mark Zumoff on the Announcer Schedules podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.